Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number two sixteen. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. Where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, boom. Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, and we have survived the COVID, the COVID relockdown. We are in the Man Up Studios. So. Uh, we're not, we're not pastors. We're just it's regular just guys. <laughs> that's right. That, that's right. It's on its way. So our, our days might be numbered, but we are here today. Uh, we're just regular guys and each on our own spiritual journey. We feel all men, all of us, you, me, everybody, all the men are leaders of your families, leaders at work, leaders in your church and community. But sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged and that's why we're here so whether you found us on facebook soundcloud where we archive all of our podcasts apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher our website man dash up com or pray.com we are glad you are joining us this is the no church answers tour and we've glad we're glad you've joined us our panel consists of world-class policy writer professional gambler and our uh, show producer mr steve titch Hey, Steve. Don't forget hey. seat dancer tonight because he's dancing in his chair. <laughs> right, ago. right. He's fired up. Chair, chair dancer. <laughs> All right. And uh, back from a diving tour, uh, he's an attorney and a prosecutor, probably a spear fisherman, too. Uh, we call him the Judge Michael Cropper, a little bit orange. That's all good. Yeah, he does look good. And uh, corporate trainer and group theologian, we call him the professor. Robert Koshu is here. All right, Robert. Robert. And off from the road, insurance broker, deacon from Louisiana. We don't hold that against him. Kyle Trahan is here. Hey, Hey, Kyle. Kyle. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman, and I am the director. We have a panel that means he has to keep us under control Uh, right and typically what we do is uh we take an abf adult bible fellowship or sunday school lesson uh we do a basic overview first because we know all men are busy gonna uh go over what we're going to be talking about uh then we actually read uh some scripture and then we dive deeper uh we update it we unpeel it like an onion we put a man spin on it and uh, see if we can't get some practical application. That's why we call it the No Church Answers Tour. So we're in uh, this uh, Connect 360. We use uh, different publications. Uh, this is by Baptist Way Press. Uh, and this is on Solomon, uh, No Ordinary Kind of Wisdom. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start with Mr. Steve Titch. Oh, thank you, Bill. Uh, this lesson that we're doing this week is on... Solomon's alliance with, and it looks like hey, we got an Amber Alert coming in. Over That's here. Bill. Blue Alert, whatever that That's one Bill. is. I wish Amber would stay home. Oh. <laughs> All right. 
Anyway, this lesson is going to look at the alliance between Solomon and Hiram. Hiram was the king of Tyre. By the time Solomon came to the throne, Israel had pretty much neutralized just about all its neighbors, the Philistines, the Moabites, the Edomites. They were, they were subjugated, and the boundaries had pretty much spread, Israel's boundaries pretty much spread what today would include uh, Jordan and parts of Syria and a little bit south into Saudi Arabia. That, um, and the other remaining power in the area at this time, and this is about the 10th century, the 900 BCs, um, was Phoenicia and Tyre. And they had a very good alliance. And in fact, there's more uh, archaeologically, we know more about Hiram than we do Solomon. Uh, there's, uh, but in, in some ways, we the things we know about Hiram in part confirms some of the some of the information here that's in the Bible. Uh, Hiram was king of Tyre, and that's a coastal city that was nominally part of Phoenicia. Uh, now the Israelites were not a seagoing people, but the Phoenicians were, and David's conquests had extended Israel's borders to their greatest point. And so Israel controlled much of the land-based trade between, you know, from the east and south on land. The Phoenicians and the Tyrans, if you'd call them that, and Phoenicia and Tyre, on the other hand, uh, they uh, controlled a lot of the Mediterranean at this point. Uh, this was before, really, the rise of the Assyrian Empire. Egypt was to the south, but they were not as seagoing as the Phoenicians. So this was a highly profitable partnership, and it's going to come into play in this lesson. Excellent. Uh, Professor Koshu. Everything that traveled between Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Assyria, kind of the kingdoms of that area, had to go through Israel at that point. And so they partner up with, the, I, I like to think it about it as a partner, mm -hmm. as, an, as a true economic alliance, because the Phoenicians had all this shit and okay here's the way to think about it so if you have a big huge thing like oil for instance in Cushing Oklahoma where the biggest terminal is or I'll go one better and please don't bury me at some point you got a bunch of oil up in Canada but Canada doesn't have the refining capability so you somehow you got to get it to the United States to refine it you can rail it, you can truck it, or you can pipeline it. Phoenicia had all these goods that they imported there, but they couldn't get them anywhere. Israel needed the goods that they couldn't get internally from the sea. So these guys form a great economic alliance, and then that brings up a lot of conversations from a man's business perspective as we move forward. So this is, this is going to be fun. Excellent. Uh, Kyle Trahan, your overview. I don't know where I ended up reading it uh, over the last day or two, but dealing with folks that may be not Christian or, uh, you know, some form of other idolatry, if you will, or whatever, um, how much do we deal with them in our work world, in our family life, in our, you know, personal life, whatever, it's interesting to think, are you supposed to not deal or work with them, or are you supposed to actually work with them and show them the example? 
Excellent. Michael Cropper, your basic overview. And welcome back. Oh, well, thank you very much, Bill. Uh, I was uh, listening to the podcast you guys did last week. It was really good. Folks, um, thank you. If, if, uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's podcast, uh, please do. It talks about the, the famous prayer of Solomon, where he reaches out to God and asks him for wisdom. And he, before he does that, he offers sacrifices to God, numerous. Uh, it, it's very interesting, folks. Also, you might note that uh, Solomon goes up to Gibeon, where the tabernacle is. The ark itself is in Jerusalem. David had taken the, the ark itself to Jerusalem and put a tent for it to honor it and to honor God. And then he said, I want to build, which may explain, help us explain why he wants to build a tabernacle in Jerusalem. Because at this point, the people were still going to Gibeon where the, the, uh, the tent tabernacle was, and that's where they worshiped God. And that's where the bronze altar was. That's where you offered sacrifices and such. But anyway, uh, the point I want to make here is, is, is we've talked a little bit about, and, we, and, and the first three lessons were on David himself and how he left so many plans and so much direction for Solomon to build the temple. And then we go to lesson four, which was last week, and Solomon uh, took the assembly and went to God and said, Lord, please give me direction. And the Lord said, what would you have? And he said, I'd like to have wisdom. And God says, okay, because you've just asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wealth and gold and, and, and riches like no one has had before and like no one will have after you. It's a very, very interesting comment. But uh, before I go into today's lesson, real quick, a comment on it. I want to tell you all, that, that was first, uh, Second Chronicles 1 through 13. We don't ever talk about 14 through 17, so I just want to make a comment <laughs> about it. Did you, did you all read right. that, guys? Um, Solomon starts his little hobby right after that because we, we think Solomon acquires all this wealth. He gets a tremendous amount of wealth from David. It says, Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And also the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedars as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. And Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kibeth, Kibeth, Kiva, K-E-V-E-H, folks. The king's merchants brought, bought them in Kiva at the current price. And then he also acquired and imported from Egypt a chariot for 600 shekels of silver. So he's starting a trade here. And we know about that. We know he's brilliant in his, his merchandising. So he sells a chariot, thus through their agents, he exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syrian. And as today, as the guys have alluded, today's, uh, uh, today's lesson is going to be on Solomon reaching out to King Hiram, uh, who was over uh, Phoenicia and the other, the other coast city, Tyre, and asking him for help because Solomon knows I've got a big project. And, you know, more hands you have, the easier it is. So, Bill? So Excellent. Solomon was a car collector? <coughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> chariots. We didn't talk about J Just saying. Right. Diesel, diesel <laughs> chariots and gas Yeah, but they were classics. He was yeah. flipping. They were classic chariots. They are now. And right. he was flipping. Yeah. 
that 980 BC model of the chariot right. Supra. That's right. <laughs> and he was right. flipping them, though. Yes. He was flipping them. <laughs> right. that, that's really, yes. if you read it, which is interesting because that's a whole other tread level. That's right. <laughs> well, and that would have had modern-day air conditioning. <laughs> oh, that's And right. solar-powered. Oh, that's right. oh, they do. They, they used water. And, and, they water. Right. and with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. Second Chronicles 2, 1 through 12. Now Solomon proposed to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. And Solomon assigned 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry in the hill country, and 3,600 to oversee them. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, the king of Tyre, as you dealt with David my father and sent him cedar to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I'm about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, and dedicate it to him for the burning of incense of sweet spices before him, and for the regular arrangement of the showbread and the burnt offerings morning and evening on the Sabbath and the new moons and the appointed feasts of the Lord our God as ordained forever for Israel. The house that I am going to build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods, but who is able to build him a house since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him. Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? So now send me a man skilled in to work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue fabrics, trained also in engraving to be with the skilled workers who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Send me also cedar, cypress, algum, timber from, Lob from Lebanon, for I know that your servants know how to cut timber in Lebanon, and my servants will be with your servants to prepare timber for me in abundance, for the house I am to build will be great and wonderful. I will give for your servants the woodsmen who cut timber 20,000 cores of crushed wheat, 20,000 cores of barley, 20,000 baths of wine, 20,000 baths of oil. Then Hiram, the king of Tyre, answered in a letter that he sent to Solomon. Because the Lord loves his people, he has made you king over them. Hiram also said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who made heaven and earth who has given King David a wise son, who has discretion and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. Boy, 20,000 cores of barley will make a lot of beer. That, that is exactly <laughs> where I was going to go with that, Mike. Well, why uh, do you need beer if you have all that wine? <laughs> Some of us are right. Well, okay, and okay. that that comes from the coon ass who you know we, we're right. known for partying. Well, that's right. Stout. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and we're going to discuss the ingredients of beer. Uh, when we come back, man up. We will be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. 
Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And this is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 216, and we are talking about uh, Solomon and Hiram. And this particular lesson in the book was talking about ready to build. And uh, <clears throat> and I know we are going to get into management. And since I'm, I work as a contractor, I just want to throw a couple of things out because I know you guys are going to go down a rabbit hole. And so while I'm still breathing air before I go down that rabbit hole with you, I just want to bring out a couple of things. If you do the math on this, it was one one manager per 40 workers, which is really not a bad ratio, especially if you're doing manual labor. And uh, in our Sunday school class where we were talking about is what you hire and i can tell you this i hire two things i hire attitude and i hire aptitude the differences in the two are this attitude is for a position that i can train the aptitude or in other words if someone's got a good attitude i can teach them how to be a salesman okay aptitude when do i hire that if I'm tiling a floor, I hire someone that knows how to tile a floor. I'm not hiring his attitude, and I'm paying them differently. And that was what some of the people were going down the rabbit hole. Can you work with someone that is not does not share your beliefs or not Christian beliefs? And well, I don't think that's a rabbit hole here. I think that's a main some point. Of the main point. Okay. And, yes, and, I would agree. And, and, and would actually, and, and Kyle was going with that, but but really, what what you what what the Sunday school takeaway in this lesson was is that you shouldn't be afraid to ask for assistance in your mission work, which is a valid idea. Theme. I'm not I'm not knocking it, but to to you know stir the pot as i like to do to, to with the no can, church can answers. someone buzz him for this, that just because yeah he's close enough to a this, church answer. Uh, that is a close to a church <laughs> that's answer. a church answer well, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm saying it was a church answer and i'm going to dispute it well i'm going to go, no, go ahead. i'm going to go over here and simply say there's a tinge of politics in this oh absolutely in the in this exchange that that indicate and and which I think as men raises some good questions for discussion because it goes back to what you're saying, Bill, and, and Kyle too. Um, Hiram was not a Jew. No. Um, Hiram was worshipped whatever the gods of Phoenicia were. Uh, however, these two had a very strong economic uh, relationship. Um, they liked each other. They respected each other. And Solomon had no compunctions or qualms about asking not just for money and material, but for personnel to come into his country and work side by side by his workers. So, yes, so now this raises the question. I'm not going to resolve it here that, you know, when what as we as Christians in the workplace, in our own mission work, 
um, to what extent do we rely on non-Christians, and where does it cross a line? He took the deal. So, so no, 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 no. It's, it's more than that. Mm -hmm. Skill is skill. Christian, atheist, Buddhist, whatever it is. They weren't doing, they weren't leading the worship. They were building the building. And skill is skill. If you don't have a Christian who can mold gold or form gold or whatever the right term here is, shape it, whatever it is, in your group, then you go get some. And notice they were bringing in, and then there were 40 people working with them. So the idea is, I'm going to teach these guys. You, you basically outsourced your construction to mm -hmm. skilled labor that could do the job, but you put them with your people to teach. So your people are learning the job as they go through. I think the uh, uh, Hiram looked at it another way, though. This was a deal. This was a deal to him. He was, okay? he was paid and well. Because, well and, yeah. and not only was he paid well, but understand, he had a history with Jews, with Solomon's dad. Okay, And he knew that he, he held them in good favor, so they were going to be able to coexist. And by helping them with something that is a huge pride for the whole country, the temple, that is going to keep them pacified and mm -hmm. engaged in their own affairs as opposed with meddling in foreign affairs. And I think he's looking at it as a win both ways. Well, definitely, because, I mean, think about if he said no. I, I, I like my trees. Right. I like yeah. my guys here. I, I've got them out in the fields uh, getting my, my barley or whatever. And he said, no. What are you asking of Solomon? Oh, will you please invade my country and kill us all? Not because, necessarily. Well, Not necessarily. <clears throat> here, David would but, have. David would have. And David yes. might, might have lost that battle. Yeah. Because you, know, you, you were joking before. Right. Hiram was no small player. No, no. So, so, was, so no. Yeah. And, and so he would have. But so he didn't turn him down. And, but also Solomon didn't go and take it. He he offered him payment. Well, he yes. offered him very as you said, very good compensation. But but at the same time, I think if he would have said no, I think there may have been a, a conflict well, that that uh, Hiram would not have wanted to start, knowing David. Maybe not Solomon as that same guy, but do I take a chance? Well, because all it takes for any one of us is something to set us off for to show the true colors. Okay, good, Kyle. Now, now you're taking it in an area that I love. Oh, is he dancing in the chair again? That, you're a you no, no, no. I got to okay. take it because okay. he brought it up. Because what he's saying, if if Solomon didn't get what he wanted by request and trade to build God's temple, would he have been justified in invading another country and take it down to us? If we can't get what we want from somebody, either either they they want too much money or they or or they just don't want to agree to our terms, can we act aggressively to get what we want from that person? Obviously, Sol we don't see that example here, but that's a, you're, that's a question you're 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 saying. Kinda, kinda I mean, sorta. how how can as we as Christians should we play power games with those who are vulnerable? <laughs> 
And I, I don't think I, I think that's okay. I'm, I'm going to throw another <laughs> twist on it just because Solomon is Mike recap. Last week we talked about Solomon asked for wisdom. Remember in the Hebrew definition of wisdom, the word shrewd was in there. I think Saul, I don't think it was necessary. First of all, I don't think Solomon was taking advantage. He, he wasn't going to some city state with 500 people and saying, mm-hmm. give me all your gold or else. He was negotiating from a period of strength with an equal power. Yes. And yes. I think his shrewdness shrewd. is that he realized or that, hi, that, that hmm, this is early. Hiram doesn't know me. He's remembering dad. Dad was known for hammer, hammer. Carrying the big hammer. Oh, yeah. The big swing. The big stick and the big swing to go with the big stick. So that that again takes us to today and our own negotiations as Christians. And and what you're saying. Equal, yes. A non-equal, no. And, but so so but the shrewdness this is yes. this is the this is i think is there is there a um and in well i guess is there something in the in new testament about being innocent as lamb or, or shrewd some so I, I i'm not going to misquote oh. it. what be the wise as serpents and harmless as doves there right, you go right, thank right. you oh, so, yes. so how much <laughs> uh, guys guys this is because this is how much shrewdness and politics are we as christians suppo- really Really, should we? Well, shrewd doesn't I, shrewd we? doesn't mean doing anything but the truth. You should be wise in your negotiations. Now, the question you guys are throwing out, I think, is: Can you use your superior knowledge to to hurt somebody who's vulnerable? Right? How far can you go with that? Am I am I am I interpreting yeah, that yeah, right? Or, or to get what you want, or to leverage? Le- yeah, even leverage. Let's. I I think that's where you pray and ask God for wisdom. Because there are times when when you need something like you like you mentioned Steve, uh, and and you you want them to do it and they may twitch and turn and you just and and that's the way the, the benefit of us today we can go on the internet and we can find prices of certain things that we need to get done right. Back then they couldn't do that like you guys said. He had Hiram. He may have he probably could have gone to another country to get the wood up north, or to the northwest right where they're located if Hiram didn't say so, but there was a relationship that was established with his dad. So the question is, how much pressure do you apply to the other individual? And that, again, that's going to depend on, and you know whether or not they are, they are uh, what their attitude is, right? And the same thing with us. Our attitude has to be to present Christ or to present God and to present Jehovah to them in a manner that's, uh, that, that they would want to know. And, and by the way, I... Uh, if you look at the last line of our scriptures there, verse 12, it says, Hiram says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He doesn't say, blessed be your God, Solomon. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who made the heaven and the earth. He's a believer. Okay. Now, there he probably wasn't just, wasn't just wait, I'm is not true. <laughs> who has given David a wise son who has discretion and understanding who will build the temple for the Lord and a palace for himself. And where I'm going with this is, y'all remember Nebuchadnezzar was not a believer at first, but boy, he came into it after a while with Daniel and the three Hebrew, Hebrew boys. So I, I, the, the very words he, he says to me, he is a believer, and that's probably through David. 
David spoke his faith quite openly, just like Solomon is doing. We see him doing here. Now, what were you going to say, Steve? I want to answer Steve's question. (laughs) 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 Okay. I will take the chance and weasel a situation until the discredit that I receive from being found out exceeds the benefit that I would have gotten had the deal gone through. And there's a point in every negotiation that you get there. And I can tell you, as a contractor, with stuff that I know for a fact is going to come up, but I absolutely ignore it until it gets to the point to where if I found if I, if I was found out that I ignored it, it would ru- hurt. It would hurt my reputation. Well, Bill, therefore, a, that's the that that's the tipping point. And I think men. Well, okay, Kyle, you sell all day long. There's got to be a point where you say, "I cannot take this person's money." My commission is not worth what it would do to this person. And and as a salesman, there's uh, uh, selling anything, whether and you are selling, you're selling your talent. I mean, Mike, even though you were on the you were an attorney, you you had to sell the fact that you were good at what you were doing. There, Absolutely, there comes a point, and and I, I never necessarily like to embellish on the results I have. I, I, I like to put them out there, but then conversely, uh, you have to kind of trump up what you're doing so you can justify your price that you're charging. I, I, you know what well, I'm well, saying? They're not being dishonest about it, but that's something that men have to deal with every day that they're, that they're working and, and making money and charging for what they do. Well, weaselness implies dishonesty. I don't think you weasel at all. I think you use your knowledge to write to get the best deal you can, right? You know about what what you pay and what the contractors pay for their materials in your right, right. And, right? And, and, and you know when they're inflating much it too much. Too. I don't I wouldn't call that weaseling. I'd say that's skill yeah. and, and I'd call that wisdom. Right? Right, right. But also I mean but Anybody that's a salesman out there, and that's why I, I wanted to bring Kyle in on this. They're all weasels. There are sometimes weasels. that people want stuff <laughs> that they absolutely cannot afford. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, I mean, and, uh, and, uh, well, and so in my, my business, I'm in healthcare, and uh, predominantly. And most of what I end up working with does not cost my clients anything, uh, up front anyway. So I'm not really... I never take money from them. It's I get paid commission out of out of a insurance company. But there's products that I'm I have the availability to offer to my clients, you know, life insurance and hospital indemnity and cancer policies and all this other fun stuff. But so much of it I don't mess with because I know if times get hard, the first thing to go is that. But plenty of times I will walk up to a client and sit down with them and realize that, well, yes, I could take you and move you over to this company and I can get paid and I can get a commission. Or I could just flat out say, Steve, you have the right insurance for yourself. Don't do anything and walk out of that home. I did it uh, the other day at Brazos Senior. uh, The lady was on Texas retirement. We don't mess with those people. 
It's like somebody that's got uh, TRICARE for life uh, be, for the, through the military. You put your hands up, say, hey, nice to meet you, shake their hand, and Wait get on out. your merry way. No. You know, And so there has to be that, I guess wisdom is a good enough word there, to be able to discern when you should step back well, from something. I, I think it comes down to the point of, number one, you always negotiate from strength but you don't negotiate to the point that you are taking massive advantage of the person you're negotiating with. In other words, if I'm negotiating with a upper-level manager, it's balls to the wall, all hands on deck. All day long. All day long. I I was banned from conference calls at a company because they because they knew I was not scared to take on anybody, no matter their title. I looked at a VP on a conference call and said, that is the stupidest thing we could ever do. And then next week, my boss came and said, you're not on that call anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but now, I'm working with one of the janitors. No, absolutely not, because I have power over that person. In the position. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and this is, I think, where our faith really hits the road when we're doing this. You do not take advantage of anybody from a monetary sense. I know salesmen. I was in insurance sales like Kyle. I did life insurance. And I had a boss get mad at me because why didn't you sell him whole life? Because it didn't fit what he needed. You sold him part-term and part-universal. Yeah, that's what he needed. But if you'd have sold him whole, we'd have made this much as a, no, I don't care. You Always know? do what's right by the person. Exactly. Always. And, 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 and here's where we'll talk culture. And we can do that, I'm thinking, after the break. But the culture will tell you to do exactly that. Oh, no, baby, you go for that commission all day long and i think that's a good discussion when we come back and with that uh, we're going to take our second break and uh, we'll be all cultured when we get back this is man up spiritual oasis for men podcast we'll be right back you are listening to the man up podcast spiritual oasis for men just like any muscle we feel the faith muscle must be exercised and here we do it real authentic the man up way not pastors just regular guys each on a unique spiritual journey thanks for joining us deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else especially in today's climate missed an episode they are archived free for you to select on soundcloud we come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 216. And we are talking about, in this particular uh, lesson was Ready to Build was actually the title of it. And um, I took a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say offense uh, to it, but uh, typically when I build, I have a budget that I have to stay in. 
and so I get all my uh, my subs together. Um, I I find out their schedules, and I also put out the build schedule, production schedule, and that kind of thing. Um, Solomon had <laughs> he had everything. He had not only did he he didn't have to worry about the workers because he had all the best ones coming in. Uh, he had man committed management. Uh, he had all the wealth and materials available that he could possibly need and uh so i'm not really sure why he was really necessarily worried about anything you know this is something that's i think is going to get more intense as we go along in this lesson <coughs> and the question is is the solomon get everything handed to him really I, it, and it's it's hard to argue that it wasn't, and I, I don't want to it, it, because we, we started even talking about it, and you know you 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 phrased it brilliantly. How do we as men relate to this? Um, yeah, everybody. We've all built stuff. We we all work to a budget. We very few of us have had any sort of endowment land in our laps, ready made, and. You know, it gets Solomon gets off to a good start here, um, and, 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 and I won't spoil the ending, but it doesn't end well. And maybe we should just keep this thread in mind. Did he just not have to? It, it, the irony is, he's ready to build, and yeah, he did build this temple, but did he really? The build thing it? about it is, <laughs> he's, gonna, he's not going to get a whole lot of credit. Well, uh, you know, anyway. No, because, he, he because will get the credit. Think of the person. It doesn't matter how much the, the, the other person or all the other people do in a dinner party. It's the person that walks in with the turkey or the whatever your prize, you know, uh, protein is. Or the griller. The brisket. The brisket. The briskets. Right. Exactly. That brisket person gets all the credit because it's the star. But look at all the other stuff on the plate that everybody <laughs> this is, this else brought. This is coming from the guy who a few weeks ago at the uh, church barbecue was <laughs> working alongside the brisket. Right. The brisket guy. Right. They cooked all night. We didn't hear. Case in point, <laughs> yes, when, when everybody came in for that <laughs> event, they wanted to come see the smoker and the guys that were doing it. And so you get that. All right. So... Solomon was handed all the gold, all the silver, all the copper, all the iron, all you know, all he had to artisans, do. And the plans, all the artisans, all, all the workers, all the workers, because yes. everybody's already going to be submissive yes. to David. You get handed the the kingdom. Here's the keys. Have fun. Here's all the money. Oh, by the way, here's the blueprint and everything you need to just go out and build this thing, and then you can step out at the at the end of it. For the ribbon cutting, and hey, I'm Solomon. I built this yeah. clip, and there you go. And he gets all the and, praise. For and it. if and you well, need, if you need anything, here, call this guy. Hear him. He has all the cedar you need. Right. And, well, and, yeah, but and ho the, hopefully he had the wisdom to actually give. Yeah. The, the thing about the, it the is, though, God. when you come in at the top. You will not get any credit for keeping something at the top, but you will get all the blame for it going down. Right. And that's true. And that, that is the worst thing. That's why when I hear people grumble that I, I started a company and it's not going great, well, that's awesome. 
And they go, why? Well, because that gives you a chance to build something that will work for you. Imagine if you took over something great and then you and then it started failing. You did not have the experience to overcome the struggle to get it up in the first place. So you have no history on how to turn something around because you came in, everything was awesome. Well, and all the failures builds character. Well, Absolutely. And he wouldn't, have, I he wouldn't have gotten this. a lot of that. It, and he got all the credit because 50, 25,000 years later, the temple is still referred to as Solomon's, Solomon's temple. temple. Right. There were three temples, Solomon's, Zerubbabel's, which is the one built after the exile. And, and it is said that it paled in comparison to Solomon's. Zerubbabel's never destroyed, just got kind of rebuilt into Herod's temple. That even Herod's temple is said didn't compare to Solomon's temple. Solomon had the temple. And he got all the credit, but I, I'm kind of with you. It's interesting because Solomon is a classic example of a man that hit his lid. He, he, yeah. he, he had a purpose. His purpose was to build the temple. And then he failed, I think, and this, I think this is what we'll get into as we get further in to this series of lessons. He failed to find the next thing. He was, I'm going to use it, he was Sears Roebuck. Because Sears Roebuck, if you know anything about the history of Sears, Sears was set up to be Amazon. And it completely dropped the ball. It missed it. Ab- it right. you, you, you could have argued they were, they were the original the original Amazon model yep. Of, yep, of right. in the paper world. Yes, the Sears Roebuck. But, you know, but yes. it's, it's funny that uh, Robert being the professor brings it up during the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Think about and I'll just all those is band up class. Think about Simone Biles, okay? Greatest of all time gymnast uh from the US. Tied with Shannon Miller, I think seven medals, okay? Her career is basically over. How would you like to be a has been at the age of 20? Well, she's 24. Or 24. Think yeah, about that. You'll you never know? be you'll never be as celebrated as you were when you were a teenager but, or early 20s but that's, or that's part of being an athlete. I mean that's yep. that's a, and some people some people rise to that, some people deal with it, some don't. You you know, you you hear about it. Right. So, I mean as, uh, there are there are guys who peak early. I mean Orson Welles Orson um, Welles was was yes, <laughs> and and uh, and and, and you know, look into so, He was a little bit self-destructive. I mean, there, 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 he did, he was not ignored by Hollywood. He kind of helped didn't help himself much after Kane and Magnificent Ambersons, um, but nonetheless, he did. You know, he peaked at twenty-five, twenty-six. Right, and and see, and that's the thing about Solomon too. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? What, uh, you know. Yeah, you, you, and yeah, and and you look at again. You build your we're own palace. Ahead, we're, yeah, we're getting ahead of the story, but we're but looking. That's true. How does he? How does he? What does he resolve? He, women, 
you know, just, I mean, it, it's more respectable because I guess he's a king. He could have 100, what, 700 wives and concubines. Yeah. 600 wives, 1,500 concubines. Get the numbers. Get the numbers. I don't get ahead of this thing. Three women a day. Right. We're really bashing Solomon here. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Thank you, honey. I'll see you in three years after your next turn. And I'm going to help our listeners. I used this with our youth a few weeks ago when I was doing Yuma in the Bible. And we were talking about Solomon and mentioned the concubines. And, and one of the youth asked me, and it is a legitimate question because it is not a term we hear in the world today. And they said, what's a concubine? And I said, in today's vernacular, we would call that a friend with benefits. <laughs> not that I'm condoning it, but that's literally. But no, I mean, it, it, it's, this is a classic. Here he's getting set up. And, and I'm going to say it was given to him. But he had to see it through, and he at least had enough to do that, uh, you know. And 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 if you think about it, l- let's think about it for a moment. How many of us knew guys who basically were given a company or whatever by their dad, and within a year, it's not there anymore because he just didn't have it. They didn't know how to run it. They, they didn't, didn't know what they were doing. Experience. Yes. <clears throat> you know, That's and, correct. And, well, A, they didn't know what they were doing, or B, they were so arrogant that they wouldn't listen to anybody. Right. And so yeah. Solomon at least, I think, had enough wherewithal to get it done. So was it right. given to him? Yes. But he did have to negotiate here with Harem, and seems like he, he did. But, yeah, he, he, did, did good, he did have he it pulled right. off. I mean, he did pull it off, yeah. so you do have to give him credit. That at least he stayed the course and he finished the project. Yep. You know that was given to him, and uh, that a lot of people will. I mean, they'll they'll bow out or they'll you know just oh that's just too much. Not if they work for me. Well, then you're just <laughs> going to fire them. <laughs> you're fired. The project always gets done. Uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and uh, just get some takeaways. Want to wake up Michael Cropper, who's in the back end. Uh, yeah. you know. He's over here reading. Okay, yeah. He's no, cleaning, I, I, uh, cleaning want... his spear. Okay, well, yeah, a couple of things. This, but mine goes back to the worship the, and the, the purpose of the, the temple itself. Uh, while Solomon states it's to be a grandiose place, he says, he says on, uh, he says, Behold, I'm about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, and dedicate it to him for the burning of incense, of sweet spices before him, and for the regular arrangement of the showbread, or presentation of showbread, as Moses would have said, and Aaron, and uh, for burnt offerings morning and evening on the Sabbaths and the new moons and the appointed feasts of the Lord our God. By the way, folks, that's verse 4 if you're reading along with us. As ordained forever for Israel. It didn't last forever. We know someone who came in and changed that to be the perfect sacrifice. And I think that's just a phenomenal scripture. And I want to point out something I think is a little bit humorous here. The author said to us on page 56 in the third paragraph, uh, fourth paragraph, he says, when when my wife, Krista, and this is going to be a little change of subject, but I, th- I think it's rather humorous. He says, and this is for men. That's why it's humorous. When my wife crystal and i married and i had a lot to learn about sacrifice this was no longer a dating relationship with a few few grandiose gestures uh that to woo were over marriage required day-to-day surrender i learned that keeping the dishes clean and the floors swept 
meant, meant much more to her than large-scale tokens of affection. Over, over a time, I figured out that love is more potent in the form of daily sacrifice. So what he's, he's saying here is, is I'm comparing with doing work, cleaning the floor and the dishes for my wife is like sacrificing to God in the temple. Right. In a way, and it is you. You sacrifice time, and you learn that. Hey, and I thought that was your castle, right? Yes, yes, right. yes. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was rather humorous. <laughs> um, anyway, excellent, Kyle Trey, and a couple of takeaways uh, from today's lesson. You know, uh, the the author of our lesson here um, says here in the implications and action section. Uh, if we spend our life putting trust in our own abilities and competence, we will never fulfill the calling God has for us because we can't do it alone. As much as we as men want to think we can do it all by ourselves, we can. We need our wives. We need our friends. We, we need other people. You have to recruit, um, as we've said you know, uh, all about this lesson and, and tonight. You have to have the ability to notice and accept when the ability to accomplish something you need is not within your wheelhouse. And that is a very tough pill for most of us to choke down. Well, I can do that. I have the physical ability. Well, maybe you did when you were 20. Maybe you don't now, you know, and to be able to recognize and accept is that hard part, I think, at least for me. Um, Solomon did that pretty well. He knew that, of course, he knew his station as well, and I'm the king, and I'm not really going to go out and uh, work in the quarry or chop down a cedar. I'll sit on a horse and watch people do it. Um, but, uh, again, just recognizing when we need help. Excellent. Professor, takeaway uh, from you. I think our big takeaway here really is how much we need to be shrewd but fair. or sh Yeah, shrewd but fair negotiators as Christians. You know, don't be afraid to, if you're dealing with someone of equal status, don't be afraid to absolutely positively negotiate your best deal. But by the same token, don't listen to the world and take total advantage. Because if you pay attention to this, Solomon got what he wanted and paid very handsomely for it. He, he, he could have. My bet is he had the armed forces still. He could have made the decision, you know what? I won't kill Joab just yet. I'll use Joab to kind of take care of this for me. And, and, and all the money I got from flipping chariots... I get to pocket because I'm thinking we get the chariot story in front of that because maybe that provides some of the capital that he needed to fund. In other words, David didn't, maybe David and the gifts and everything that we've read about earlier, maybe it wasn't quite enough to do everything he needed to do. And so he used the chariot flipping. Once again, as a shrewd business guy, he's buying chariots from over here, souping them up and flipping them and selling them over here to fund the remaining part of the temple because he paid he paid Hiram pretty well for what Hiram gave him. Excellent. Take away from you, uh, Producer Steve. Yeah, synthesizing both uh, Robert and, and Kyle, I think 
here we we were shown that this is a this is a mission work for this is a kingdom work in in Solomon's view a mission work he's building this temple to his god he's this is a praiseworthy project yet uh he turns to the best materials and the best builders he can find outside you know aside from those in his own kingdom he go he's willing to take on a partnership with with an outsider with someone who's not a doesn't would not consider himself a follower of this hebrew god and it's but it's all it's all for the worship of his god so he's not it's not about himself so much as it is about the mission but the, our, our takeaway here is that we shouldn't exclude um, others simply because they're not Christians if they have something to val- value to offer to the kingdom. It, not everybody is, is a Christian yet. Uh, but nonetheless, what they do can serve that kingdom. And uh, that's really what, to keep, what's, what, what, we're, what we should keep the eye on. And, uh, and now I know... We, we read in also in, in the New Testament in Paul, he says, do not yoke yourself to unbelievers. And some, some Christians say, well, that may be about marriage. It may be something more entwined than simply a, a, a negotiation. And, and there's, I think there's some, some value to that because, uh, or there's some, some, some truth to that because Paul also says, don't be afraid to sit down and eat with unbelievers. Uh, so, so we there's no there's nothing wrong with socializing with unbelievers or doing business with unbelievers. But don't get yourself so tied up you can't get out of it. Well, yeah. well that's, that's the right. purpose of the yoke, right? Yes, yeah, that's yeah. that's the other thing about you know how. And, I, I like your reference get, to the yoke. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't get yourself in a position. There's a difference with, between a yoke and a handshake. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, throw in my two cents on this. Uh, as a, uh, a a contractor, I I do I I break my uh, the traits up basically two ways, attitude and aptitude. And if I was doing a ministry building project, the parts of the job that I could absolutely define, paint this wall, put the baseboards up here, that I would hire somebody based on their aptitude if they could paint the wall if they could put up the baseboard now something that i can't describe that i want passion that would be i'd have to hire attitude for that kind of thing and that's so so my tip or my insight or my opinion on this particular lesson is if you're going on a ministry deal for example creating the man up podcast it was it was all attitude because none of us we're not pastors we're just regular guys but we have the attitude of ministry and that's why we're all here and i want to thank you for joining us this is man up spiritual oasis for men thanks so much for all our sponsors and supporters uh it's awesome so on behalf of half of our producer steve titch Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Kyle Trahan. My name is Bill Cox, and we're on the No Church Answers Tour. Check out our new YouTube channel. And, you know, additionally, we're doing our uh, podcasts occasionally with a live audience, and that's typically at men's ministry events. So if you see us, stop in and say hi. So 
Whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Titcher, or Pray.com. Uh, if you have any questions or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. Uh, if you're still unable to attend church or the lockdown, if it's going to happen again, uh, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sundays at 945. And when you're ready and churches are all open, uh, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for discussions like this and find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Men Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.